You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 102. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Mark Cameron, who is the author of the New York Times best-selling Jericho Quinn thriller series. His short stories have appeared in the Saturday Evening Post and Boys Life magazine. 2016, he was chosen to continue the Tom Clancy Jack Ryan campus thriller series. Tom Clancy Code of Honor was the latest uh, book he released in that series, which was uh, published in November of 2019. And the 20th Jack Ryan novel is scheduled to be published this November, written by Mark Cameron. His latest novel, Stone Cross, was published in March, and it's an action-packed crime thriller and the second book in his Arliss Cutter series. Uh, Mark Cameron has a fascinating background, having retired as a Chief Deputy U.S. Marshal, who spent nearly 30 years in law enforcement. His assignments have taken him from Alaska to Manhattan, Canada to Mexico, and dozens of points in between. He holds a second-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu and is a certified scuba diver and man-tracking instructor. A native of Texas, he now lives in Alaska, where he writes his action-packed books. I had a great time chatting with Mark about his background with the U.S. Marshals, and yes, I did ask him about the accuracy of the great U.S. Marshal character played so wonderfully by uh, Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive, one of my favorite movies. I also asked him about the pressure of carrying on the iconic Jack Ryan character created by Tom Clancy, and a whole lot more. Uh, So we'll uh, be listening to uh, that interview coming up here in just a moment. But first, I want to talk about Masterclass. They keep uh, putting out some amazing online courses. Uh, Right now, there's over 80 uh, courses uh, from uh, some incredible minds out there from the the, uh, movies, television, sports, music, fashion, culinary world. You can watch thousands of lessons uh, from the best as they share their stories, skills, shortcuts, failures, and successes. And as fans of the uh, thriller uh, mystery genre, you can check out the uh, Masterclass from Dan Brown, James Patterson and David Baldacci. I found those to be inspiring and very helpful in my own writing endeavors. And if you sign up using my link, thrillingreads.com forward slash masterclass, you'll be helping uh, supporting this podcast. And so I appreciate you checking it out. Okay, so here is my interview with uh, Mark Cameron. Hi, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in to uh, Meet the Thriller Author. And I have uh, Mark Cameron on Zoom. How are you doing, Mark? Hey, doing very well. Thank you. Thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast. Uh, hopefully, uh, everything's going all right with you and your family during this uh, pandemic times. Hope everyone's okay. Yeah, I, I, we're doing great. I have found that I uh, probably enjoy self-isolation much more than I should. It's, uh, <laughs> not uh, too bad for me. Yeah, that has been uh, that, that has been something that uh, I've enjoyed as well too. My my wife's now. Well, working from home so it's been a big change for her but uh, we've been doing doing well with it <laughs> good i'm glad to hear it i'm a big fan of your books i've read the uh the, your jack ryan books i will get into that uh, a little bit later here but uh i was fascinated to find out that you spent 30 years in law enforcement and uh, you retired as a chief deputy u.s marshal were you dreaming of being a writer even back then when you were tracking down fugitives <laughs> oh yeah i was i knew when i was a little boy that i wanted to be a deputy u.s marshal and i wanted to be a a writer I didn't, well, I knew I wanted to be in police work. And then as I got older and started, especially once I got into police work as a patrol officer in Texas and worked with different agencies, um, I knew then that the marshal service was going to be the, the best job for me, you know, hunting, hunting bad guys. And so, uh, but I, but I knew all along when I was, a when I was newly wed, I, and before we were married, I told my wife that I wanted to be a novelist and she, 
people have heard that have known me have heard the story but our first year of marriage she bought me a, a smith corona electric typewriter and a bulletproof vest because they didn't buy them for us back then so she was very supportive early on Oh, that's awesome. So for, so you could do both jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, mostly I just got a lot of rejection letters for years, but I just enjoyed writing, so I kept it up, and it turned out after 20 years of rejection letters. So I have to ask you, because one of my favorite movies, you know, you probably have been asked this before, but one of my favorite movies is The Fugitive. So how realistic was that? I love Timothy Lee Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in some ways it was very realistic. In other ways, not so much. I mean, the, the fact that the Tommy Lee Jones kind of comes onto the scene and takes over the investigation and all of that, that doesn't happen. We realize as deputy U.S. marshals and that we can't get by without, we can't do our job without the assistance and teamwork of the state and local agencies that we, we work with and alongside. But the uh, probably the most, the truest, most telling part of that whole movie is the line that everybody remembers probably where, Harrison Ford's about to, to jump. You know, he's standing at the little mouth of that dam and he's got his hands up and Tommy Lee Jones is drawn down on him and Harrison Ford character says, Richard Kimball says, I didn't kill my wife. And remember what Tommy Lee Jones says? He said, Deputy Gerard says, I don't care. <laughs> that's That's kind of the way we have to be. Our job is to look at the name on that warrant and go after them and we don't decide guilt or innocence we decide that that person needs to be back before the judge or back in jail and so we don't really look at the you know why where when that sort of thing we're focused on the on the who yeah let the courts and everything else do do it their yeah, part, exactly. their part of, the, of the job exactly so that so in some ways it's really the there were some some Deputy U.S. Marshals that acted as consultants on that. So the, the badges were right. The gun, you know, the, the Glocks that they carried were, were correct for the agency. But, um, you know, it's Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. you got to make it a little exciting. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so when, the, when did, were you, when did you first finally get your first book published? When was that? You know, I, I went to a, uh, I had a couple published uh, locally in Alaska and then I, um, by a local publisher here. And then I, I had uh, joined the Western Writers of America, and I had a Western that I'd written that I really liked, a contem- well, not contemporary, but like in the mid-1900s, not a, you know, not an old-time shootouts on the street Western, but uh, something said in North Idaho, and we were living in North Idaho at the time, kind of by the Canadian border, and I had written a Western that I liked. And so I went to this conference in Helena, Montana and pitched it and uh, ended up selling a, a Western under the pen name of Mark Henry. Sold a couple of those Westerns and ghost wrote for another Western author that, um, you know, where my name didn't appear on the cover and then eventually switched over to thrillers, which is what I, you know, law enforcement, military style thrillers, which is what I'd kind of set out to write in the first place. But, um, I, uh, I think it was probably 2003, 2006, something like, I guess 2006 when I actually got a book published. And then 2011 is when I published my first thriller, first Jericho Quinn thriller. 
And were you a fan of the thrillers, uh, thriller genre before you uh, started to write them? You know, I started reading, yeah, when I was a, you know, in, in, in police work, I, you know, I read police, I read a lot of Joseph Wambaugh. I liked crime novels. I, I started reading Tom Clancy when I was, you know, when he first put out Hunt for Red October. So, in fact, I was a rookie police officer at the time going through the, the police academy. And so I followed Clancy um, as I grew up in the Marshall Service. I remember being going to an advanced school and buying the Sum of All Fears in paperback. And uh, that was in the early 90s, I think 94, something like 95. I can't remember when it came out in paperback. But I bought the paperback and I accidentally left it in the back of my um, plane seat and when I got off the plane. So I had to go buy it again. And then um, when I we we were I was on a protective detail. Actually, that's what it was. It wasn't a training. I was on a protective detail in New York and I had left the I'd left it in my plane seat and then I got off, went into the um, command post and another we were, I was assigned to another agency and a special agent with this other agency picked it up and started reading it and so I went and bought another one. So I ended up buying some of three times just to get it finished. So um, yeah, I followed through you know um, a lot of spy stuff I really enjoy. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Ken Follett and a lot of his World War II stuff. I, I uh, like Frederick Forsyth and yeah, I just I I love really any kind of well written book, whether it's thriller or or whatever. I just enjoy I enjoy literature. And so your your latest book is Stone Cross, which is up is available now. It's published March thirty first, and that's the second book in the uh, Arliss uh, Cutter series. Can you tell us about that book? Sure, I think if I were to say that so far, including my ghost written work, I've written twenty one books. And out of all those 21 novels, Stone Cross is the most, has the most of me in it. I think I did a lot of work with the U.S. Marshal Service out in Bush, Alaska, in the rural areas that are not connected to the road system. You, you know, you have to take a plane to get there or a boat, and uh, which is a, the vast majority of the land in Alaska is only reachable that way. And so, um, and the, the native peoples out there, the Yupik and the Inupak and the Athabascan peoples, uh, I've got friends that uh, I met while I was with the Marshal Service that have remained my friends. So I've been retired almost seven years now. And so I, I've always wanted to tell a bit of their story. And Stone Cross is a, a, a fictional village, but based on some of the villages that I've spent time in and when I was with the Marshals, working alongside in a partnership with the troopers. This is a story that I wanted to tell a long time ago, but um, I was not in a position to write it. And things have, have gotten a little, you know, I've gotten a little better seat at the table as a writer so I could decide a little more what I wanted to write. And Stone Cross is uh, definitely out of all my books. I mean, I like my books myself or I wouldn't write them. I like stories, but Stone Cross is my personal favorite. Yeah, this was something I was going to say when I uh, was reading that the Arliss Cutter is a U.S. Marshal in Alaska, and you were a U.S. Yeah. Marshal in Alaska, so a little semi-autobiographical, a little bit. Yeah, or? you know, you know, I think Arliss Cutter is way cooler than I am. I'm, I'm more like the the chief that stays in the office a good deal of the time. <laughs> I, uh, but I did when I first moved to Alaska. That's I was assigned to the Alaska Fugitive Task Force, which is now that is run by a supervisor. When I moved to Alaska, I was a 
we affectionately call it a POD, a, a plain old deputy. I was, I didn't have any supervisory roles, but I, I was put with the task force and, and the, so the deputy in charge of that task force back before it was a supervisor running it. So I got that same experience and got to travel around the state and do some pretty neat investigations, um, you know, tracking the, uh, the book before stone cross is set down in, um, on Prince Wales Island, which is, I can't remember, I think it's like the third largest island in the United States, but it's down kind of close to Ketchikan and Juneau and that Southeast uh, Panhandle part of the, part of Alaska, but it's quite remote. Um, you know, you have to take a ferry or an airplane to get there and it's, uh, but a lot of roads and it's, you know, it's got a couple of big larger towns and um, then a lot of smaller villages as well, native villages. and. Uh, we tracked a guy we were called down there a guy uh, chopped another man's head off with a splitting mall and then fled into the woods and so about 20 almost 20 years ago uh the tracking the fugitive task force and then the i was a man tracker at the time for the district uh part of the tactical tracking unit and so they called us down there some of the task force members and then me as a tracker and we tracked this guy and i just remember thinking man, what a great setting for a book. And, the, you know, the I wasn't writing as much at the time because I was so caught up in my martial service career, but I had always been writing. And, um, you know, tracking this guy that was suspected of a homicide through the these old-growth forests that looked like something out of a, a Tolkien movie, you know, with moss and darkness and the little bit of rain falling above, but it didn't even make it to the ground because the canopy was so thick and, you know, I just, I, so I really kind of set these books then 20 years ago and then came back and wrote open carry, which is set in that same place. And Arliss Cutter is just sort of a amalgam of the great men and women I've met over the years in law enforcement and sort of the hero archetype that uh, I've been able to work with. So it's been fun. Yeah. Something I've seen a lot in your reviews is uh, they mention you know, a lot of actions, great thrillers, but then also a lot about uh, how you bring the uh, the Alaskan wilderness to life, which I think is kind oh, of cool. <laughs> that's good. I'm glad to hear it. I, uh, I I feel like Alaska is a character in the books. Alaska is so big. I mean, I've, I've wanted to get to Alaska since I was a little boy. I grew up in Texas, and I remember going to a, a state fair in Dallas and um, getting a... Uh, big map of Canada and Alaska. Actually, it was like Yukon, British Columbia, Yukon and Alaska. They had some tourism play, a booth there and going home with my mom. And I was probably nine or 10 and uh, going home with my mom and kind of planning a big trip up there. We never went, but I read everything I could about it and just kind of slowly worked my way north, you know, in my career. So I had actually applied with the North Slope borough police department um from i was working with the police department in texas and i applied with north slope borough which handles the top third of alaska as one big community and you know made up a big borough like you'd call a county in the lower 48 and there one police department i'd applied with them I was in the middle of that process when the marshal service hired me and so i kind of sidestepped over worked for the marshal service for seven years before i was able to transfer to alaska wow so you've always had a 
had Alaska uh, on in your on your in your mind. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's uh, we like to joke that you you know step out of the RV and into the food chain up here. It's still <laughs> the country, and uh, it's one of the few places that you have to you know that it's a smart thing to to actually you have a need to carry a, a sidearm when you go out <laughs> into the woods. I mean, we I have carried one for thirty years now. Anyway, thirty five years. But uh, here, it's a, it's truly a good thing to to. You're not the top of the food chain. Yeah, that's. A, I always hear that's like the last, uh, like last American frontier that's left. Really, yep. Yeah. Yep, it really is, and we love it. Yeah, I haven't made it up there yet, but uh, I'll have to make it uh, one of these one of these years. <laughs> yeah, it's a good place. It's a very good place. You know, I've I really enjoyed your. Uh, I, I first came. Uh, found out about you through your Jack Ryan books. Uh, I read I read mm-hmm. Code of Honor, and mm-hmm. uh, it was a great book with all the AI technology stuff. You know, it was mm-hmm. kind of uh, on point with what's going on here in the last few years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what What was that whole process? I mean, you said you, like you were a John Clancy fan before. I can't even imagine what it would be to step in and pick up that mantle. How did that whole work out for you did they approach you or do you have to like audition or how does that work yeah that's a good question and it's it's uh it's terrifying it, and it's not something that you really you apply for i had i had zero idea that i was being considered and i was fortunate enough to meet mark graney who wrote them before i did at uh thriller fest i mean not thriller fest at uh, voucher con a writer's conference in long beach i met him there and we uh, became acquainted and chatted, and then through subsequent voucher cons and thriller fests, we got to know one another better. I had dinner a few times. Uh, my wife and I had dinner with him and his wife, and we, you know, became friends over the years. And I can't remember which one it was, but it, I think it was New Orleans. He, we were chatting, and he said I had a new Jericho that was in Jericho Quinn, which is my original thriller series that I had. It was in the editorial process, and he just approached me and said, Hey, do you want me to uh, give you a cover blurb? And that's a big deal in the writing world. And I, 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 I hate to ask other authors for blurbs. I just, for quotes, I just hate it. Cause I know how busy everybody is. And I, I'm happy to give quotes to people that are, you know, that, that I've met. And I uh, have been very fortunate that Brad Thor and, and um, CJ box and Mark Graney have given me <laughs> and you know cover quotes and and steve barry has given me one and so i but i the only people i've ever asked have been brad thor and cj box and i was fortunate they did it and so mark offered without being asked and you know he's a top tier writer and i was i said yeah that would be fantastic and he said well send me send me the the pdf well i sent him the pdf of field of fire which was the the Jericho two two Jerichos ago so number eight I think and um, unbeknownst to me he was thinking about stepping away from the Tom Clancy Jack Ryan's that he was doing because he had done seven and uh, he just forwarded Field of Fire onto Tom Colgan the editor and so then Tom read it and I guess he liked it enough to approach my agent Robin Rue and I was down in Florida with my wife doing some research on the first Arliss Cutter novel. And because uh, I was going to be doing a Jericho and then a Cutter and a Jericho and a Cutter. And uh, my agent called me and said they want to uh, 
they want the they want to hire you to do the next Jack Ryan. So I was yeah, I nearly fell down. <laughs> my wife has a picture of me. She she saw me talking to to Rob and she knew it was my agent. And for some reason, I don't know if she thought I was having a heart attack or what, but she she snapped a photo of it. So there's this. It looks like somebody's died or something. There's kind of this grief stricken picture of me standing in the breeze on the beach in Minnesota Key, Florida talking about getting the Clancy gig and I looked pretty sick to my stomach but uh I was ex- I was terrified absolutely terrified but happy yeah that's how I, I could just imagine the excitement but then the fear <laughs> oh yeah and, yeah and as a matter of fact today uh I just just uh heard that the news is out that Don Bentley is going to be doing the uh, he wrote uh, a fantastic book called Without Sanction that he's going to be doing the Jack Ryan Jr. series. He's taking that over from Mike Madden, who's also a friend of mine. So Mike's stepping away to work on some other projects and Don's going to be taking over those. So he's former FBI. So I'm really looking forward to uh, working with Don on, uh, you know, just, we don't really work together on the books, but we alternate. He does a Jack Ryan Jr. and I'll do a Jack Ryan Sr. So that'll be great fun. So I know he's probably going through the same agonizing terror you know, you have to have you have to have some hubris to just sit down and write and think anybody wants to read your stuff. But it's still, you know, you're a writer. It's a it's a two edged sword. You want to push out your work, and then you're terrified people are going to discover that you're, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're really yeah. It's like like a a little bit uh, disturbed in that way. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just a typical writer's brain. Like, here, read this. It's great. It's horrible. Give it back. No, but I want you to read it. Yeah. yeah. Or like you write a, yeah, and somebody that you know or admire or whatever, read your book and you cringe, but you want them to read it. Yeah. Exactly. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of writers that have that, you know, that, oh, yeah. that imposter syndrome where we're just, I'm constantly worried that whenever my editor agent calls me, I'm worried they're going to say, oh man, we, we thought you were somebody else. What, what have we been what have we been wasting our time with you on for 17 years for? You know? <laughs> yeah, I've interviewed over 100 uh, thriller writers so far for this podcast, and that comes up a lot. So, yeah, in, in all different levels. So, <laughs> very common. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you have you have three Tom Clancy, uh, three of the Jack Ryan books out now, right? And I believe a fourth mm-hmm. one's coming out in November. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on it now. I'm really, you know, neck deep in it now. I've, I've uh, I finished the third cutter and it's in and in the editorial process. We, my wife and I go to Rarotonga every year for a couple of months. And so I finished the third Arliss cutter. It's called bone rattle. It's being worked on through the copy editing process now. And so I've been since uh, February, I've been working on really late January. I've been working on the next, uh, my, it would be my fourth Jack Ryan novel. So, we're going to have that one and then one more. I have a contract for two more, and then we'll see. Oh, for the Jack Ryan's? Yep. Oh, cool. So you so you only work like on one pro, one book at, at a time? Like if you're working on the Jack Ryan and then you'll go to your one of your series? or do you, Correct. Do, yeah. 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 Yeah, you know, I mean, as far as the meat of the project, I doing two books a year, they always overlap. So I'll, I'm working on this. And it normally, and and were it not for the the pandemic, I'd be out on a, you know, trying to get a aboard a fast attack sub to interview some people and 
I had some folks helping me with the icebreakers, some interviews and different things that I was going to be, you know, utilizing in the book. And now there's a lot of phone calls and putting yourself through it to write a, a Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan novel is really like putting yourself through a couple of semesters of nuclear physics and, <laughs> and you know, geopolitical conflict and whatnot. So there are, there's just a lot of reading and studying and interviewing, which I enjoy. I just absolutely love that. And normally there's a lot of traveling. So, so for code of honor, I was able to fly on, you know, B-22 Ospreys. And so when I was, when I, you know, and sail past the, I didn't go on an aircraft carrier, but we, we uh, were on some smaller vessels and would have gone on an aircraft carrier. We just ran out of time, but um, just able to talk to a lot of soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marine, Coast Guardsmen, it's, it, and be able to chat with the, you know, when you're able to sit down and, and actually worked out in Coronado with the, like 40 minutes of hell week with some seals yelling at us and the the experiences doing stuff like that just really make it so that when i'm able to when i'm when i get to write about have the opportunity to write about a let's say a v22 uh osprey flight then i can call up this young captain that i know and say hey tell me about what it feels like to when you're leaving the deck tell me about what what you say tell me about so i just really that's to me that's the that's the absolute best part of writing these Tom Clancy's is the doors it opens and the people I'm able to meet. And um, there's so much crap going on in the world right now, both politically and, you know, medically that there's nothing that buoys me up more than when I can talk to some of our young troops and, and listen to how intelligent they are and, and you know, well-read and, and critical thinkers and pretty amazing young people. And that's uh that's that's uh that gives me hope because I have young children, you know, young grandchildren and adult children that are, you know, in the workforce, and I, I just like to see that our world's in in good hands. And so when I watch the news, I get depressed, and then when I talk to the real people out on the front lines, I go, okay, it's not so bad. It's pretty good. It's there. There's some really fantastic folks out there. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. I think that's in and all those frontline type people. I mean, all, all the work that they do. And I mean, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it kind of restores uh, hope and humanity, like you say, yeah, especially yeah, after watching exactly. the news. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just make our own news as fiction writers. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, I was that was fascinating about the research because I was going to ask you about that because Tom Clancy's books are known for the meticulous research so yeah it's interesting to see that you, you had to step into that world <laughs> yeah it's it's been it's been really nice I mean, i try to research and write what i know and you know being in federal law enforcement i'm very i'm fortunate to have plenty of contacts around the country that are in all branches of you know the fbi secret service uh, state department the agency you know all sorts of things so it's I have lots of contacts so I can draw from them and then being in my own share of, of human conflict and being around firearms for my whole life. And it, that part of it comes pretty, you know, comes pretty smoothly for me. I, I really enjoy writing fight scenes. I've been in martial arts for a number of years and I have a really 
dear friend. He's more like a brother, but he's a, a 10th Don in jujitsu. He just got awarded his 10th degree, which is about as high as you can go. And, you know, basically they confer upon him the right to have his own school and, um, you know, line of teaching. So uh, he was my partner with the Marshal Service for a number of years, and uh, Ty Cunningham's his name. And so whenever I write a fight scene, I uh, I generally am on the phone with Ty. Or in in past day, he lives down in Southeast Alaska, and in past days I've been able to go down and visit with him and walk through some things. And we, you know, and I mean I I have some some fairly deep uh, you know in depth experience with martial arts, but he's vastly past me when it comes to that and so um it's really fun for me i i mean i just love writing fight scenes and gun scenes and um that sort of thing and those are sort of the bread and butter of the of the books and interspersed with the the people side of things and what's the writing day for you like when you're when you're working on a project do you like have like word count goals that you have to reach or do you, do you always write in the same yeah. spot no, I write everywhere. I write wherever I am. I, I had a college professor that told me, well, I think my freshman year, said, if you, you will never amount to your full, full potential unless you learn to use those little 15-minute segments of your life that everybody else wastes. And so I, I carry a notepad around with me. If I've got some downtime, I try very hard not to get on Twitter or Angry Birds or whatever and try to just you know, make notes and look at people around me and observe. And um, so, well, that's what I was going to say earlier. That as far as working on one project at a time, I I'm working on the Clancy now. But at some point, but but and I'm doing an interview with you first on Cross, right? So uh, even though I'm in the middle of the the meat of the Clancy project, then I'm still. Um, I'll, at some point here in the next few weeks, I'll get the copy edits back for Bone Rattle, which is the third cutter, and I'll have to step away from the Clancy for a week and go back over the, you know, those copy edits and do my rewrites and things like that. And but even then, um, the book's written and I'm doing rewrites. Even then, though, by then I'm so in depth with the Clancy that I won't be able to stay away from it. I just enjoy it, so I'll. I try to get 2,000 words a day, but some days I'll get 1,000 and do the rest of just research. But typical writing day for me is get up and answer emails and um, start writing and get five or 600 words done. And then I'll get to a part where I think I might need to go read a bit or watch some YouTube videos or talk to someone about this area. So I get it in my head and then I'll try not to spend more than an hour doing that and then I'll jump back and write some more and then when we were when we were writing the first um, I say we because my wife really helps me a ton with research and editing and all that we had gone to we we had power and empire was since it was my first Clancy I was sending them a few chapters at a time like now I just when the book's done I send it in but back then I was a I had my other books, but I was an unknown quantity as far as a Clancy writer for them. So I was submitting like eight or 10 chapters at a time. And as I said, kind of terrified. So my wife and I had already planned this trip to Rarepunga in the Cook Islands, which is out in the middle of the South Pacific, kind of down by Fiji and Tahiti, kind of in between. And uh, 
it's a small island takes about 45 minutes to drive around it's pretty sparsely populated and we've got great friends there so we were in this little bungalow and i'd get up in the morning and i'd write 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 for about try to get the bones of a chapter done and then i would read um a paperback you know lay in the hammock on the beach and read a paperback clancy and then uh, i would have lunch and then after lunch i would study a bunch of stuff that i knew i needed to write about you know different research i brought with me and then write 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 some more and then my wife would read to me as i was falling asleep from a different clancy and so we we really in that we stayed there at that point i think we stayed almost three months and uh we put ourselves through kind of a a Clancy University and read <laughs> much every every original you know legacy Tom Clancy and then um, several of Marks while I was there too to get myself up to speed while I was writing Power and Empire. So it's like a writing retreat slash uh, Tom Clancy University. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It will, it will always be a, a very fond memory because we were so immersed in it. I mean, there was just you could. I went to sleep listen to my wife read in fact i think the lat as the last month there she was reading me um commander in chief which is one of mark graney's clancy's so i could kind of get back up to speed with where the series is at now and what do you use to, to write do you use like a word or some other software program yeah i use word i've been thinking about going to scrivener and i've dabbled in it but i'm so you know i I mean, I type the end on one book and the next morning it's once upon a time or the next one. And so I'm, I really don't have time to, I haven't taken the time to learn a new um, software. So I write Word and I, I write a good deal of the, of the original manuscript, especially the notes and plotting. I'm a pretty intensive plotter in, in longhand in either pencil or, or um, fountain pen. So I, like right now, I'm at my desk. I've got three big coffee mugs full of of uh, Palomino Blackwing 602 pencils that are just probably 150 of them here that I work my way through and these yellow notepads and taking notes. I just like the way pencils feel. And plus, I, li I like the way that it, your brain works when you know you can't cut and paste <laughs> when you're really writing and play. It becomes, to, to my mind, it, I don't know. It's just a different way of thinking. It's a, it becomes fun and art instead of a drudgery. So I'd say I write quite a bit of the first draft, maybe a third of the first draft will be in pencil, which means that by the time it's on the computer, it's a second draft already. Oh, so. Yeah. Yeah. It a step. <laughs> yeah, ah. Wow. So yeah, that's awesome. So, um, well, I'm not going to uh, keep you too much longer, but before I let you go, uh, one question I always ask, because uh, I have a lot of aspiring writers that are listening to this, any advice? Well, I'd say listen to podcasts like this. I mean, it sounds <laughs> kind of self-serving, but listen to how the other writers do it. And if when I give anybody advice, I'm, I'm using with my own experience and much of my success, other than having a, you know, sitting down and actually writing the book has come from meeting other writers and going to conferences. And, um, you know, it's just so difficult now because so many people are writing. I mean, everybody's got a laptop and a story to tell can now be a writer. And so that's great for writers, 
but it's really difficult for people, writers that want to be published because we're everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's really, truly a buyer's market for the publishers. And so you have to do something to stand apart. And the way to do that is to meet editors and agents and other writers and have them introduce you, not, not in a, a conniving planned way, but just go be a good person and help out and, you know, help hand out the, the amenity bags and backpacks at Bouchercon or Thriller Fest or whatever. And um, then you start, people start to get to know you as a person and somebody that, uh, because it's a business and then an editor and an agent or a, an agent are, are more likely to say, Oh, I'd really like to work with him or her. You know, they, they seem square away. They seem easy going. And if you've got 10 people that can write a decent story, but two of them seem like interesting squared away folks who they going to choose, you know? So on the publishing side, that's the, that would be my advice. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for be, uh, being on the podcast. It was a real uh, pleasure talking to you and, uh, and learning more about your work and, and your background. Thank you. I appreciate it, Alan. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.